What's up, guys? Welcome to episode two of The Taste of Success. Today's guest is none other than Robbie of Plant Based News. So, how are you doing, Robbie? Hey, man, how's it going? Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, thanks for doing this. Um, for those who, for some strange reason, have never come across you or Plant Based News, um, introduce yourself and talk about what you do. Hey, everyone. My name is Robbie Lockie, and I'm the co founder and co director of Plant Based News. Uh, we're the world's leading vegan news media and plant-based health education platform. We've been running for three and a half years um, and uh, feel, feel like we've su quite successfully cornered the market on plant-based and vegan news media. Um, we love our jobs, we love what we do and uh, yeah it's been quite an exciting ride. Things have exploded not just with vegan news media but with the food tech scene and the vegan fashion scene and vegan makeup scene. So. There's just so many things happening and we're there telling all those stories. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I think if, if anyone out there watching this ever Googles anything around sort of like veganism in the news, plant-based news is always one of the top results that comes up. Like it's amazing to see what you've achieved and in just three and a half years, it is like incredible to have such a voice for the plant-based vegan movement. Um, when you started it, was it something you ever imagined would grow to this scale or was it like, was that always your plan or was it just a, oh, I really enjoy this. And suddenly it was like, bang, wow, we've got millions of followers and readers. So Klaus and I, Klaus Mitchell is the other co-director and founder of Plant Based News. Klaus started it as a YouTube channel um, a year before we met um, and was creating content on YouTube with some friends. Um, and then Klaus and I met a year later at Vegan Future, which is kind of like a vegan event. And we became really good friends. He helped me move into my house. Um, and we kind of worked away upstairs in our spare room on just some ideas. And he asked me if I wanted to get involved with him and, and work with him on it. Um, and I just sort of was just helping out. And then we, we kind of just got into it and we were working on it and developing it and kind of creating content. Um, and, I, and, you know, I, I said to him, you know, we need to sort of turn this into a platform. We need to sort of build it out into something that uh, can reach a lot more people beyond social media. So... I built the website uh, and we started getting articles into the website um, and we didn't really have any idea how big it was going to get really to be really honest with you um, and out of the blue we actually got a message from a guy called Prince Khaled Awalid who's a, a vegan prince from Saudi Arabia and he said I love what you guys are doing and I want to help you and support you not just with money which was really strange to get an email like that. It's not the kind of email you get every day. Um, and, you know, we've been working really hard on it and we were just really like honored that someone like him, you know, from the Royal Family of the Saudi Arabian Royal Family had noticed what we were doing. Um, and we just responded and said, thank you so much. It's very kind of you to notice our work. You know, we, uh, we love that you are involved with the vegan scene and you know, it's great to meet you. And he responded back and said, Oh, thanks for coming back to me. I never thought you would reply. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm even more impressed that you didn't ask me for money. Um, and that was great. He, I didn't, we didn't actually expect to be, um, you know, in a conversation with someone like him, but we were. And he said, you know, give us a, send over a proposal and let us know what, let, let me know what you want. Let me know what you need help with. Um, and he, we stayed up until like 6 a.m. and we did this presentation and proposal and um we presented to him that morning we hadn't slept we were super tired and he he loved it um we weren't sure at first because he's a very kind of laid back and chilled chill kind of guy so he wasn't like jumping around and all super excited he was just like yeah 
yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do this. Let's, let's do that. You know, and, and we, that's not how he speaks, but that's, you know, he's, he's super chill. And we just did it. We, we got him involved in the company and um, we quit our jobs. And here we are today uh, to just, I think we've just gone over 2 million fans and we have, we reach 70 million people a month now. That's insane. It's just from a passion project as well, just something that that's always the best businesses that just come from yeah. passion rather than going, right, I want to start this to make money to do this. I think that's the most generic, authentic, like it's the way you kind of build loyal um, readers and, and followers because people yeah. like love the authenticity. And I think that's what you guys are really good at kind of showing as, as soon as something comes up in the news, it's, it's on your website. Like it's, yeah. you are the, the outlet for me. Like if I ever want to search anything, I'll go on your website and just search for it. So yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see what you've achieved. Um, with the plant-based news side, you've got a few different avenues in terms of different Instagram profiles um, and, and that kind. So you've obviously got um, the main plant-based news, which is your news one. And then what other kind of avenues have you got for it? Yeah, we've got, I think, six in total now. PBN, the main page, which is 700 plus thousand, which is amazing. PBN Food, PBN Fitness, PBN Health, PBN Grow, PBN Beauty, and PBN Travel. Okay, so that's seven in total. Um, and the idea really is to sort of try and reach beyond the vegan bubble and, t and tap in and connect with people who are interested in specific parts of uh, the lifestyle that might not necessarily be vegan or don't really have a desire to be vegan. But maybe we can convince people to plant more vegetables and eat more vegetables. Maybe we can encourage people to take more eco holidays and be more considerate about where they travel and how they travel and the kinds of things they buy when they travel. Maybe we can also talk to people uh, about their fitness programs and you know stop using whey protein. Maybe they still eat meat, but maybe we can get them off you know dairy and whey and get them using plant-based proteins. Um, and then what else do we have? Then we have what else? PBN food, which is all about all the the best vegan uh, food foodies and chefs and cooks from around the world. Just a great way to show off and showcase all the most amazing and gorgeous vegan food that's out there really inspire and impress people because I think there, you know, even still today, there's, there's still a lot of people who think that eating vegan is boring. It's, you know, it's like beans and salad and nothing else. So just, you know, if you want to inspire someone and show them what's possible, send them to PB and food and you can just see this huge like rainbow of amazing things to eat. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to be able to do that. And we're supported by a very passionate group of kind of volunteers who work on these pages in exchange for promotion. So they, they, they help run and facilitate these pages. They get to be editors, but at the same time we promote them. And if they have a product or a book or a service or something they want us to promote, we'll do it you know, as part of an arrangement and agreement. So uh, it's worked, it's been working quite well. But on that note, for any like brands or people that might be watching um, who are interested in contacting you, is there, is it all on the website? Is getting contact here? Blah, yeah. Blah. Yeah, we just launched a very exciting new brand and marketing pack, which you can get to by going to brands.plantbasednews.org. Um, it's got all our work in there and all the case studies, our most successful case studies over the last three and a half years and all our metrics and stuff. Um, and that's how people can get in touch with us. There's a form on there. Um, but yeah, that's the best way. Um, segueing into food nicely um obviously the reason i wanted to start this whole series is to find out more about the food stories behind people of interest whether that's athletes founders or anyone kind of not necessarily in the plant-based community just 
anyone that I think is interesting and think our followers would find it interesting. So um, for me, like food is such a passion project. It's something that from a young age I was really into. Um, so when is your kind of earliest memory of food as a child? Like, is, have you, is there one particular meal or moment you went, oh, I really remember my first like, absolute love at home, we had this or? Um, yeah, interesting question. Um, I have a very strange kind of history with food because my mum was a terrible, bless her, I love my mum, but she was a terrible cook. Uh, not a great cook, terrible is, not, is unfair, not a great cook. And um, we did, I was very fortunate to grow up in a house where we actually had a cook. We had someone who, um, whose job it was to, to cook for us. Um, but he would cook like all kinds of very strange food and I guess very sort of like classic English food, like meat and two veg, you know, sausages and mash and oh, very overly boiled vegetables. And, you know, the food wasn't great. Like I, I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy the food that much growing up. I remember a lot of the time just not really enjoying what was on my plate at all. Um, I remember being at boarding school for a brief period. Um, I think it was sort of several months I was at boarding school while, while my family had some sort of health issues. And I just remember sitting at the dining room table almost every night dreading the meal that was in front of me. Like I just didn't want to eat it. You know, just cabbage that was so boiled. It was, it was just like this green gook. And then like something that resembled some kind of meat stew. Um, it was awful. But what I do love and what I did love and what I have fond memories of are like cakes and biscuits and, you know, sneaking into the pantry and stealing my mum's marzipan. And <laughs> I've always, I've always really loved baked goods um, just because I have a huge sweet tooth and get a lot of pleasure out of eating sweet things. And that's one of the things that I love about like switching to a vegan diet is that, you know, almost anything can be made vegan. Um, it's so easy and, and it, it, it's the one thing I think that impresses people a lot, especially when you make cakes or brownies uh, or croissants or pan au chocolat, you know, these can be made vegan really easily and people eat them and they can't believe that they're vegan. So um, yeah, my, my childhood memories of food aren't great. <laughs> There's no romance there. It's very much like a, oh, I'm glad that's in the past. <laughs> So that's there yeah, definitely the sweet stuff that is 100 percent the same as me like for us christmas was always the big thing um sadly my grand passed away um last month and christmas will always be her chocolate log um i remember yeah. from a super young age just the end pieces had to be mine like no one could no one could have the end pieces they they were mine um so yeah. every year now i'm, I'm gonna be the one who has to make the chocolate log because it's just that is christmas for me and it's yeah. like a memory of my grand so again like it's just these stories you attach with particular times like running into the pantry and stealing that like it's it's just you'll you'll probably be taken back there and transported it and it's because of the food and the memories around it yeah there a particular meal um or ingredient or product that if you smell it think about it or picture it it takes you back to a particular time or place whether it's you went on holiday somewhere or yeah anything yeah else. definitely definitely uh, i would say thai food is my um or thai or asian food uh, is the one that evokes the the, the most strongest memories for me because in the last sort of you know several years I haven't had a lot of opportunity to go away and take some time off and, and rest um, and my partner and I went to Thailand a few years ago and we spent seven weeks in Thailand and the food was so amazing and we sort of wandered in jungles and went to like deserted islands and went swimming in the sea and you know the food was just so fragrant and full of like lemongrass and ginger and 
um, you know, just very like pungent and flavorsome and vibrant um, in comparison to like the food I used to eat in comparison to sort of standard English food. It's like night and day, you know, English food, British food can be very bland and tasteless and overcooked a lot of the time. And then this sort of Thai and Asian food has, has got so many different interesting aspects to it, so many different layers in the flavors as well and textures as well. Um, so definitely Thai food and things like lemongrass and ginger and chili and garlic, you know, these kinds of these flavors definitely evoke lots of happy uh, memories. Amazing. It's, um, Sebastian, when I spoke to him, he, he said Thai food as well. He was like Pad Thai in Thailand. He was like, that's my strongest memory. Um, and again, I said, for, for you, was it who you were with? Was it the location? Was it just the whole experience? Like it kind of gets rounded off to your food experience. Like what is it about like Thai food in particular that kind of hits home so hard and goes, yes, that's that I can picture it right now. Yeah, I think with Asian food, uh, also the same in Bali as well, is that it's, it just feels so hearty and earthy and like the flavors are so, I don't know, they just they're kind of, I don't know, it's very hard to put it into words. They just create a sense of kind of like a vibrancy within you when you eat it and you actually, there's a pleasure, there's so much pleasure there when you eat the food. Um, I guess because they use so many different herbs and spices in their food, um, that is what creates that emotion. But obviously, you know, it does help when you're with nice people and there's beautiful like rice paddy in front of you or a mountain covered in forest or an ocean in front of you, you know, the ambiance of the scene that you're sitting in does make all the difference. So I think that definitely does pay, play a big role in it. Cause I've, you know, I've had Thai food here in London in, you know, gray London and I don't feel the same feeling. So, but it does trigger those memories. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one thing Heston Blumenthal's always been amazing at as well. Like he's a food scientist. The, the food he makes is just mind boggling, but it's about you smell this, you taste this, you will like drop this into this. And it's the experience around food as well. Um, yeah. Again, it's like, like you said, the Thai Asian food, the thing that struck me is um, we've been out to Asia, like me and Shireen, we absolutely love it out there. I'd love to go back. Um, and the, they cook stuff so fresh and, and it's generally quite simple food. Um, it's really create like clean ingredients in terms of like, it's just the fruits, vegetables, like it's not additives and things and they make it in front of your eyes and you can, you can see the passion that goes into it. It's yeah. recipes that they probably pass down from their parents to their parents, to their parents. And it's, yeah. it all encompasses it with Thai food. It's amazing. There is a pride there with food as well. I think with, with Asian people, their food culture is so ingrained with their in with we aligned and, and and folded into their identity. I feel like in England, England specifically, England, English people, not Scottish people or Welsh people, but English people have lost their relationship with food. It's it's kind of, I think, because this island or this part of the island has been so, you know, invaded by so many different people over so many centuries, so many cultures have sort of mixed in here that English food has now become world food. Like, you know, to be English is to be someone who is like a traveler, someone who eats and enjoys the food of other people's cultures. It does sound a bit sort of, um, what's the word, not capitalist, um, imperial like you know yeah like the great empire which which again which is what we're trying to move away from but i don't know i think there are you know there are english foods like fish and chips for example or toe fish and chips which you know have a, a strong british you know aspect to them and those can be there can be all kinds of interesting uh, angles on those and you've got your tartar sauce and your mushy peas with mint on them so you can have english food that has that complexity to it but yeah it's very different <laughs> yeah i think yeah it's the ingredients the flavors but 
it's amazing to see kind of what producers and, and companies are making from wherever they're from now. Like in the UK, there is a big boom, especially within the plant-based scene. And with plant-based news, you're seeing a lot of stuff firsthand. You're obviously being approached by brands. Is there any particular foods or products or ranges of food that you go, actually, yeah, this is really exciting. It's kind of on the verge of being exactly the same as this. Or is there anything that's super exciting in the kind of plant-based scene at the moment you like? I can't wait to yeah i think i think that uh, the plant-based chickens uh products of uh, meat replacers are the most exciting and most interesting there's a really good friend of mine ross mckay who's launched daring foods uh he moved from the uk over to new york and raised like i don't know nine million pounds Mm. Uh, to in his I think his first round or something like that and is producing this incredible chicken product um, you know there's so many companies like that who are doing so well at producing a simple product that's got two or three ingredients um, that's a meat replacer I think the vegetarian butcher is doing something very similar over in Germany or is it Holland um, you know very again very simple not loads of spices and herbs or anything like that. You get to, to season it yourself. It's just a base product, but the product itself is so well made and, and you know, the texture and the stringiness and everything is so on point that if you serve that to, you know, to meat eaters in like a cold pasta salad with some, some spinach and some pine, roasted pine nuts with some a sprinkle of um, garlic maybe and some chili, they would really have no idea, especially if you sort of maybe flame grilled it or something like that. So I think the vegan kind of plant-based chickens are really like taking off. What else is there? There's a company uh, uh, that we were writing about today, an Israeli company who are printing steaks using a machine and it's got sort of three elements. It's got the fat, the blood and the meat and the muscle and each um, part of the 3D printer prints the, the steak in a slightly different way so that you get the different textures and mouthfeel that you would get from a steak. Um, and it's very interesting. I think that is also the future of food where you will have a machine in your home and the machine will be filled with different um, kind of elements, whether it's kind of like fats, carbs, sugars, proteins, fibers, whatever. And then you'll turn, you'll turn the machine on and you'll ask it for something, you know, a bit like a replicator in um, a replicator in Star Trek. I don't know if you've ever seen any Star Trek, but you know, you walk up to the replicator and you'll say one cheeseburger with extra fries, you know, the machine will just whir into life and it will print the whole meal and, and, and off you go. And you have this whole like burger and fries, which, you know, depends on what it's made of. Like, you know, in, in Star Trek, it's made from pure energy. They actually convert, you know, like subatomic particles into an actual burger. So it looks and tastes exactly the same. Currently today, like 3D printed food is just sort of layer after layer after layer. Um, it blows my mind a little bit like the the technology behind food like food and technology are becoming more intertwined every single day like you look at Impossible Burger, Beyond Meat, these companies they've spent billions of pounds on research on technology to get the mouthfeel, the cook, the melt like everything around food um, yeah. I know it's quite divisive like reading the comments on the um, 3D printed steak like if you haven't seen it I'll put some photos up like on, over the top of this but go check out the article it's it's incredible um it it does seem kind of as i said divisive so some people are like leave food alone like plant-based food should be whole food plant-based like that's what we produce like with mitch's kitchen like we are very advocate for whole food plant-based but still yeah. i was a big meat eater and i like to have these meat alternatives sometimes and i yeah. think my food fascination would go i want to try that because 
if it tastes amazing, then like, and I know exactly what's in each element of it, why wouldn't yeah. you buy it? I think if it's not, you know, as long as, the, as long as what we're producing is not toxic and it's made with natural ingredients, then what does it matter if it's made by a machine or not? You know, I think people need to get over this whole thing of like, oh, it's not natural. Well, most of what human beings do isn't natural. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. You know, this whole appeal to nature fallacy about everything, whether it's a pill, whether it's, you know, um, the clothing we wear, like a lot of stuff we do is not natural. For me, it's about like low impact. How much impact is that having on my body? Is it going to cause, you know, health problems if I keep eating it every day? You know, how, what's the environmental impact of that food? It, you know, what's the water footprint? Things like that, carbon footprint. If it's really great on all those fronts, then, you know, we should be, we should be doing these things. We should be using machines to make food more rather than having giant multi, you know, uh, what's it called, multi-hectare, like factory farms that are spewing gargantuan amounts of CO2 and water and all sorts of stuff into the atmosphere. You know, we need to we just move away from that. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's the other thing. You've got um, these kind of meal replacements or um, complete meal solutions now, like Huel, for example. There's plenty, like there's, there's loads of them out there where they're kind of taking the convenience factor again and making it. But some people are like, well, no, it's not real food. And they're like, well, all the ingredients are real food and it's, it's for busy yeah. people. Um, so I think the way food's going to move is just going to be amazing to see. Like, I think it's be going to become much more about the traceability. So who's making your food? Where's it coming from? How far is it traveling? Like, will that be on the actual packaging itself? Like, it'd be really, really interesting to see how things do develop. Um, and again, people like... People do want that, though. People, have, people are asking more and more for accountability by food manufacturers. They want, uh, they want the, the manufacturers to start taking ownership over the the impact, the miles uh, of which the carbon and the carbon kind of footprint of the meal. And I think that people will are more likely to want to choose a meal if they can see in very clean and simple English or your whatever your local language is, how much impact that meal has had. And if you choose that meal, what are you saving over a meal that's very high in it or has animal products in it? Definitely. Um, and again, it's, it's the, the giving back side. So again, we teamed up with Mary's Meals through Work for Good. So every meal bought, we donate a meal. Um, I think it's that social corporate responsibility. Like brands really should be taking kind of real passion into that and saying like, how can we have a bigger impact? Not only reduce our impact on the resources we're using, agriculture, whatever it is, but how can we like pay it forward? Um, Happy Mackey is another great example. They're starting to do a pay-as-you-feel scheme um, in their restaurants when they launch. Um, so it's, there is people out there doing these fantastic things. Um, and I think that's the way things are going to go. 100%. It's the future. So going back to um, your own sort of food experiences, um, tell us about your kind of diet at the moment. Um, I assume you are vegan. And tell us that kind of story. How long have you been vegan mm, yes uh so i've been vegan for i think just just coming up to seven years just over seven years somewhere around there I've, I, I i didn't really like i wish i had given the exact day of when i made the switch but uh for me it's a, a long process in the beginning of like trying to figure out what was wrong with me health wise um i didn't know what a vegan was seven years ago and the only vegetarians i knew were just irritating hippies who wore crocs and um not, nothing wrong with crocs but at the time I was like, these people are crazy because I just could not understand how people couldn't eat meat. I remember going on a holiday once, not a holiday, but like a, a working trip. And 
um, we were at this this beautiful location in Italy, and there was a vegetarian lady there, and her meal came with meat on the plate, and she and she was sort of making a big fuss about how um, there was meat on the plate, and and one of the guys were like, can't you just scrape the meat off and just eat the vegetables? And she sort of begrudgingly did that, and she sort of sat there very quiet. And I remember just thinking to myself, and now I think I was a complete ass for doing that, thinking to myself, oh, she's so difficult. Why are vegetarians so difficult? And I, I never made the connection at all. Years later, I experienced a lot of like health uh, problems, joint pain and skin issues and bloating and a lot of discomfort. And I was desperately trying to find the answer. And I'd seen so many specialists and doctors and I was experiencing more and more chronic pain. Um, and I didn't know what was wrong with, what was wrong with me. So um, I decided to sort of focus on switching to a, a more alkaline diet because I'd started reading some books about alkaline diets and eating more greens. And I watched um, Food, uh, Food Inc., Vegucated, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead by Joe Cross on Netflix. Yeah. And I started sort of realizing that, you know, food was there, was, there was a lot more to food than just, you know, pleasure, right? That the food that we eat actually changes our world, but it also changes uh, our body, our, our, the chemistry of our body. Uh, and also affects our genes as well, which is really fascinating, and our microbiome too. Uh, and the more I learned, the more I began to realize that, you know, perhaps I needed to start changing the way I ate. We did a five day juice fast, um, which was, I think, three or four different juices every single day, fruits and vegetable juices together. Um, we went to the supermarket, bought like a week's worth of fruits and vegetables. And I've never had so many pineapples in my house. The, the lady at the supermarket was like, Are you having a party? Why, why have you got so many pineapples? I'm like, no, 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 we're doing a juice fast. And I just remember her face. She was like, really, you're gonna eat all of this? Amazingly, we got through everything um, and I felt great. I felt really energized. I felt really vibrant. All my gut issues disappeared. Um, and I felt, you know, just quite different for some reason. But at the end of that five day period, I went to a pub uh, with my partner Lewis and we sat down and we had if it was a birthday uh, event at a pub and, I, and we had a big juicy greasy beef burger <laughs> and I felt terrible it was just disgusting and I didn't even I didn't even finish it and I kind of you know I realized this was my the end of my love of meat I just I was it, I was really put off by it um, and then shortly after that I um, had uh, an, a really kind of what's the word kind of I would say spiritual experience with uh, my neighbor's next door neighbor's cat which was this beautiful white Persian cat who used to hang out in our garden all the time and we uh, I was at home I just watched Earthlings this really really powerful documentary about how humans treat animals and I heard screaming outside the front of the house and I went out to the front of the house and there was this beautiful white Persian cat on the on the tarmac flapping around and she had been hit by um, the neighbors, by the neighbor, one of the neighbors further up on our cul-de-sac. And the mum was in the big van and she was crying and screaming and the children were crying. And I went up to her and I said, what's going on? And she was like, the cat, the cat. Obviously I went over to the cat and wanted to see if I could save her or help her. And she was sort of flapping around. It was in this huge big pool of ruby red blood on the tarmac. And I remember it like it was yesterday because you know her fur was so beautiful and white that it was just so much blood. And I looked down at her and, you know, she looked at me and like it was, she was shaking and her eyes were quivering. And, you know, I had this sort of like moment where I felt like I switched paces with her. My blood was her blood. Her hair was my hair. My eyes were her eyes. And it was like a, just a trading of places for enough for, for like a fraction of a second. But I just felt her fear. And people always say to you, like, 
when an animal is suffering that you should put it out of its misery you should take its life and i couldn't do it i could not bring myself to end her life while she was suffering and i thought to myself you know if i can't spare an animal's suffering whilst they are in pain then why the hell am i paying other people to kill animals for me you know i just had all these images and all these questions in my mind for of what earthlings asks you it's like if if you care about animals and you don't want to see them suffering why are you paying for others to to do it for you if you don't believe it's right or you don't you don't stand by it and after that i immediately withdrew all support for animal agriculture and i kind of from then really kind of directed my entire life to um as it says on my t-shirt <laughs> defending animals uh, in my own unique way i i do it through media i do it through the power of like design and videos and content and and you know a platform i pull together amazing people Klaus and i uh, pull together a group of people who support us and help us grow and that has now been my whole lifestyle and uh yeah like the lifestyle and the food that i eat in the beginning, it was very junky. You know, I, I ate a lot of burgers and a lot of processed meat. Um, you know, that's a lot less in my diet now. I, I tend to eat a lot more whole foods um, than I did before. I tend to eat a lot more simply now. I don't really like really complicated meals with too many things in them. Um, the only kind of complicated meal I'd have now is a bit, a bit like a Buddha bowl, which is some bean, black beans, brown rice, steamed broccoli, some tahini, some baked tofu, um, lemon juice, bit of garlic a bit of chili that kind of stuff that's the kind of food i like best but i still love my um cakes and cookies and things like that too which is just unfortunately my my kryptonite <laughs> but so, there's, so many, there's so many more available nowadays like you can literally yeah. go to the supermarket and pick them up and it's just it's dangerous now yeah and seven years later my you know i still have an experienced chronic pain because i do have, I'm undiagnosed, but I do feel like I potentially have um, something called fibromyalgia, which is like a pain syndrome. Um, and it's a lot less than it's than it was, you know, eight years ago. Um, and if I do eat foods that are very refined with lots of sugar and, and that kind of stuff, I, it does get worse. But when I eat uh, a lot more fruit uh, and I'm a lot less stressed, um, I feel fine and I feel much better. Um, but generally speaking, you know, my diet and what I eat is good and healthy and, and it does at the end of the day, when I go to sleep at night, I don't feel guilty about what I eat and I, and I do my best to be as ethical as I can with my food choices. Cause there's a lot of criticisms of vegans saying things like, you know, it's not ethical to eat avocados. Why buy quinoa if you're going to buy from South America, little things like that. I try and drink oat milk instead of almond milk. You know, I'm always considering, the the plant sources of the food that i eat if i buy chocolate i always try and make sure it's fair trade you know um, and not just eat any old chocolate because cocoa beans are often there's a lot of human slavery involved in the picking of cocoa beans um of cacao even so uh yeah that's my vegan story in a in a nutshell <laughs> and the food i eat too yeah it's great is there um when you first kind of went vegan and you're kind of eliminating or getting rid of like all other products and then starting to try new stuff like had you ever used tofu before was there any kind of is there one discovery that since going vegan you're like that is an absolute like if you're new to kind of more plant-based eating you want to cut down your diet this is one product that you need to get right now yeah so um i absolutely fell in love with tofu we baked it we grilled it we blended it with chocolate we did so many things with it it's such a versatile food i've recently just started making my own tofu which is much easier than you think 
Um, you know, I like making it myself now because I can make it really firm and give it a lot more bite um, and a sort of much more creaminess to it. Um, what else? Yes, yeah, soya chunks is another discovery we had recently. You can buy them at Holland and Barrett. It's a bit like Whole Foods if you're from America, but um, they sell these soy chunks, which is basically like um, soy protein in a dried form in a chunk. All you do is stick it in a bowl, in a pan, boil it, uh, and then put it in a nut bag or a muslin cloth, squeeze out the water, and then pan fry it with a bit of soy sauce, uh, smoked paprika, garlic, and maybe some hoisin sauce. Yeah. You have that with some pasta or some really steamed vegetables. Um, and that's, yeah, we've been obsessed with that over the last few years, um, just because you can do so much with it. And you can add so many different flavors and style it in a different, you know, the different, depending on the kind of food culture you're, you're cooking with. Um, what other ingredients do I absolutely love? Um, just really just cooking with more spices and more herbs, you know, discovering new and interesting ways to flavor things. Cause I think when you eat meat, um, you can be quite lazy, you know, you can just cook, you can throw a steak onto a pan or a pork chop and boil some vegetables and eat it. And that's it. Right. Whereas with the vegan food you do and vegetables, you do need to add a bit of flavor, um, oh, how can I forget nutritional yeast? Um, you know, nooch, as people call it, such a versatile ingredient as well. You know, it's packed with protein. It's got a lovely cheesy flavor. And um, it's also a flavor enhancer as well. So you can put, add it to soups and stews. And it just, it lifts, it gives, gives the food a little bit more body and, and it gives it that kind of, you know, earthy, cheesy vibe as well. So if you're a new vegan or you're just getting involved in a plant-based diet, please get yourself a tub of nutritional yeast, nutritional flakes. You can get them on Amazon or in Whole Foods or uh, Holland and Barrett. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that for me, when I, when I first went vegan um, in 2016, nutritional yeast was just an absolute like eye-opener. Like you open it and it looks like a tub of fish flakes. Like, <laughs> yeah. fish food. like I was like, what is this? And then you try a bit and you're like, actually, that's that's really good. And as you said, it's so versatile from like making things cheesy or just more savory. Um, and as you said, like the flavor enhancing part of it, even just from a calorie perspective to get something that's cheesy that doesn't actually use like dairy cheese or even the vegan yeah. cheeses because calorie wise, they can still be massive. It's a really yeah. good way to kind of get that flavor into something. Um, so like you said, with like tofu, um, you can make the vegan omelets really easy, like either just using chickpea flour or tofu. And then mm. add nutritional yeast, just spices, fry it off. Really, really simple. So I think the way that people are developing food or just playing around with ingredients that have been around for a long time and then showing you how to use them, I think that's, that's a really big part of it. And it's, if you're new to it all, it's just not being scared to experiment with things. Or like you said, with tofu, tofu is one of those things that people either have had a really bad experience with, never really tried or tried once and gone, that's terrible. All yeah. the other of, I absolutely love it. This is how you do it, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think tofu was a, a big one for me in terms of baked tofu, like get firm tofu, bake it. It will act as any meat replacement for whatever you're making. Like, that's a big one for me. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait to make more. It's so much fun. <laughs> Messy, but fun. <laughs> so with, um, like, with your platform and your, your voice and everything, um, I see you're, you're very passionate and you're very kind of, outspoken about what you feel um, and I think that's a really like important thing to say and because you have got especially with plant-based news you have such a big voice um, getting the brands and, and people that align with you is always kind of really interesting to see um, with everything that's going on right now so not only lockdown but the Black Lives Matter movement and the like um, is, is it still Pride Month? 
Or is it people's? Uh, no, that was uh, June. So it's just finished. Um, but I see you kind of talking about that a lot. And within the vegan community, you sometimes see some backlash on someone will say something and people will just kind of dig into it, being very specific on, as you said, like either that's unethical or that's that. Like, where do you stand with um, people kind of having these opinions around just being really? Like, that's one thing that seems to blow my mind is with everything that's going on. Some people are so stuck in their ways, they won't be open to like other people's opinions. Mm. Yeah, so we talked about this uh, on a live with our deputy editor, Liam, a couple of nights ago about the importance of being aware of pride um and but also just sort of other minorities that when you as a person exist to be vegan and consider and focus on the compassion on a compassionate lifestyle you know the reason many people go vegan is because they feel something they feel the suffering of animals they don't want animals to suffer at the hands uh, and the abuse of human beings so really all i'm asking people to do is to consider the fact that there are human beings out there in a lot of very innocent human beings, a lot of children as particularly who suffer at the hands of prejudice and racism and sexism and, you know, innocent people and beings who don't have any more choice over their life as animals do. And that actually, you know, we do ideally want to live in a world where people are treated with kindness and compassion and tolerance. You don't necessarily have to agree with a person, but you don't have to attack people. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to live a life where, you shun others because ultimately doing things like that and and speaking in ways that are racist homophobic sexist causes suffering so if you're vegan and your lifestyle is about like reducing suffering reducing compassion it just makes sense that you know reducing the suffering of human beings would also be something that you would potentially consider yeah. um, that it's not that far out of the realms of possibility to ask you to to be aware of the suffering of other people but when you throw in like things like religion and politics it's very um hard for people to see beyond what they've been taught and what they've been conditioned you know in in, in kind of conservative america being lgbtq plus is is very hard you know you you're automatically um considered an abomination or you're considered uh you know immoral or you know bad in the eyes of god um, and I think with these kinds of ways of thinking, you know, it's important for, that's why we have different spectrums of, of people is to challenge the other side. The other side should always challenge the other side, you know, to the two sides of the conversation always challenge each other all the time. And I think that it is still possible to do that in a way that's respectful. You know, I think you can still tell a person that what they're doing is, is, is disrespectful or it's causing suffering or it's immoral. And then it's really up to them to decide, sorry, my nose is so itchy. I've got bad hay fever. <laughs> um, it's up to them to decide, you know, whether they want to listen to you or not. And, you know, we ultimately want people to become better human beings, more kind and more compassionate human beings. The world and human society will become a better place and people will, we will find, uh, you know, more equanimity if people move towards a more open, tolerant, compassionate society. Because I think, you know, like hard right-wing conservatism and, and hard left-wing liberalism, they're, they're often too extreme. We need to find a sort of middle ground where people can coexist, but without tearing into each other, without trying to tear each other down. So I'm very outspoken about that. I'm very outspoken about the fact that I think that 
you know, prejudice and sexism and racism should be challenged. I'm not saying that we should censor people. I'm not saying that we should, you know, shut people down, but I'm saying that, you know, you, you should be allowed your opinions, but you need to be aware that if you're going to have those opinions in public, that you will go, you're going to be uh, called out for them mm. that don't go, Oh, oh, poor me. I've got an opinion. You shouldn't attack me because I'm an opinion. No, I'm coming at you with, with my reasoning for why I think you're wrong. That is a right for me to be able to do that as it is your right to be able to speak out and say, I think being gay is wrong. Or I think being vegan is wrong. Or I think being vegan is dangerous. That's an opinion. The science says the opposite. The science says that being vegan is perfectly acceptable and safe for humans of all ages on a well-planned vegan diet. So, you know, I will always, as, as, as long as there's breath in my body, challenge people for their prejudice, for their sexism, for their racism. And obviously, as my platform grows and I, over the next year or two, I want to develop my ability for public speaking. I want to go out there and talk on these issues as well, social justice issues, because I do believe like veganism intersects with lots of other things like feminism and um, other sort of areas of human society where there's a bit of a blind spot. Feminism, for example, is deeply entwined with women's rights and the rights of the feminine and the female. But then you get a lot of feminists who still drink milk. And it, to me, that's a bit of a, um, a hypocrisy because if you drink milk and you're a feminist, you know, there, there is a, there's, a, there's a cognitive dissonance going on there because you obviously care about women and you care about the rights of women, but only, why is it only human women you care about? Why not the female female animals out there being exploited by human beings, exploited for their sexual reproduction, uh, exploited for their milk, exploited for their bodies in every which way. So I think these kinds of hard conversations, difficult conversations need to be had. And I think, you know, as Palm Base News grows and as I develop my abilities to speak and write and communicate, I want to be out there sort of challenging these social norms and trying to encourage people to, to see the world and see animals in a different way. Amazing, yeah, definitely. I think like you're you're perfectly positioned for that. Like you, it's you can see how passionate you are about these things, and you've obviously lived through some of it as well. Um, and it's it's drawing on your experience and positively acting as a role model. And it's I think now is the time to have these difficult conversations. Like even with um, Sebastian yesterday, um, he was reflecting on he did a the opening scene in um, James Bond Casino Royale, but he was essentially a black terrorist being shot by a white cop, and he was like. Yeah. Oh, not necessarily the best representation as a black um, movie star to be like, yeah, for the black community. And I think it's, for me, I, I understand um, I'm white. I have white privilege, whether that's like, it's not necessarily being privileged or having a privileged upbringing, but because of the color of my skin, I haven't been put down and it's not like a, it's not a negative side. Um, yeah. so it's, it's having these conversations now and it's it just educating myself. Like if I'm being offensive right now, I apologize. It's, it's, I'm open to learning and making sure that going forward, everyone can have as equal an opportunity as they should do. Um, there shouldn't be discrimination. There shouldn't be these things. And like, as you said, within the vegan community, that's partly why some people will go vegan. It will be because of the ethics and their beliefs around how animals are treated. But why can you feel that way and then not do the same about humanity? I'm totally on the same wavelength there. And I think now is the time we are all talking about it like people if you're not talking about it you should be thinking about it reading about it um and just like we can make changes like changes have been made since george floyd's death 
and within the black community what's being represented from the statues to this to that like it's it's amazing to see so we do have voices and now is the time to use them yeah definitely and we all have the power to to share these messages and speak up on these issues and i think people underestimate the influence they have you know you may have only like 300 friends on your social media but you just multiply that number by 10 and then by 10 and then by 10 because if you share a piece of content you know you know 20 people 30 people might see it and then they may share it and then you know you can have a piece of content or something that may change the life of, of hundreds thousands or millions of people if it goes viral you could potentially shift the views and opinions of you know you know a country of people <laughs> with one piece of content so you really have no idea the effect you could have and that's why when we talk on social media and we share these messages and videos and comments and engage with others we need to be very mindful about what we're saying and how we're conducting ourselves because people are always watching and you know and if we are trying if we'd like to be we want to be role models we want to be uh, examples of what is you know a compassionate um ethical human being we need to you know i'm not saying we should be perfect all the time because we all make mistakes and say things we regret sometimes but for the most part you know we have a lot of opportunity with this technology and it and it can yeah it can really truly change the world it really is amazing well i know you're a busy man so we'll round it off here um so uh where can people find you um personally and plant-based news just I'll put the links in below, so we'll put it on there, but tell people. You can find me at twi on Twitter at Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E, Lockie, L-O-C-K-I-E. On Instagram, Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E, underscore Lockie. And then on Plant-Based News, absolutely everywhere on every social network known to humankind, forward slash Plant-Based News, um, where we you will find regular content, articles, videos, news and reviews, and uh, a lot of educational content as well. Amazing. So final question. Um, if you've, you've lived your long life, it's your final, final meal before you say goodbye to the world and move on to whatever that next phase is for you, what would that final meal be? <laughs> My final meal? Oh, well, I'll have to probably stick with a sweet tooth and, and go for uh, a multi-layered like uh, Black Forest chocolate fudge cake or something like that with yeah. lots of layers and like fresh cherries and really nice icing and maybe a cup of tea <laughs> amazing well thank you for your time and um yeah take care pleasure cheers bye guys amazing